Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Father, for today. I thank you, Father, for the beauty of it. And maybe not take it for granted, Lord, that you have given us another day um, in your presence, God. And I just pray, Father, as we enter into your presence, Lord, that we would um, be able to focus on you, Father, and put everything else aside and just give you what you deserve, the very best from us, God, what you've asked, our first fruits, Lord. And so, Father, as you um, lead us, may we follow you and um, may it be a sweet um, aroma to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
love you, Lord. It's my pleasure to glorify you, It's my pleasure.
to give us a heart of worship. Lord, let our lives have this treasury, birthing vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. Lord, give us a heart like David, who was known as, as a man after God's own heart, who stated in Psalms 42, as the deer pants for the water.
Father, there is no one else like you, Lord. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, I thank you, God, that your mercies are new every morning. I thank you, Father, that we have a place to come, to gather, to worship, to open up your word, to be encouraged and strengthened in our faith. I pray, O oh God, that we would be attentive this morning to hear from you, Lord. God, that we allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us, God, to, to bring conviction, Lord, to, to encourage us, to equip us for the days that are ahead. Pray, God, that we would not live lives that grieve the Holy Spirit, but that we would live lives that walk habitually in the Spirit, so that we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I thank you, Father, that your word declares that you've given us everything we need to live a godly life. Yes. Father, forgive us when we have made your blood common. Father, forgive us for treating you as if you were man. God, give us the right understanding and the right heart to look upon you, to know that you are holy. And God, that there's none like you. That we would submit ourselves, Lord, to your Lordship. That we would be grateful, Father, for what was accomplished through our Savior, Jesus. That he willingly came and laid his life down for us. That we may live. For you so loved the world that you gave your one and only Son. And whoever would believe upon Jesus will have everlasting life. So I pray that we are a people who believe. And in our belief, Father, our lives would reflect, our actions would line up to what we say we believe. That we would honor you, not striving in and of our own strength to be perfect, but trusting that it's in Christ that we are victorious. Yes. So Lord, I pray that you would have your way among us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 34, verse 14. Turn from evil and to do good, to seek for peace and to work hard to maintain it. This is our scripture for a whole year. To encourage us to live right. To honor God. To trust God. As I've been reflecting on this scripture and praying for us as a body of believers, I'm taking it because each of you at some point has confessed to me that you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. So I want to encourage us that if that is our belief, then we really should open up the Word of God and allow it to be a mirror. The Bible says that we're not to be hearers of the word, but we're to be doers. We can't be like the man who looks intently in the mirror, sees himself, and then walks away and forgets what he looks like. The word of God 
is the mirror. Look into it intently. And when you go about your day, don't forget whom you belong to and who has called you out of this world to be his own. And then send you into the world to reflect him, to love others, to serve others, to turn from evil and to do good, to seek for peace and to work hard to maintain it. In a day and age in which our lives are can be chaotic because all the stuff that is bombarding us, we can be a people that have peace. Amen. We can react in peace. We don't have to act like people who have that they don't have hope because we have hope not in the earthly things, but our hope is that which is eternal, this kingdom that God has prepared for His people. This is the good news. And we ought to be looking forward to that. In fact, we read scripture a few weeks ago where we ought to be living lives that are ushering his return to the earth. We ought to be looking forward to it. And in that, we're to be diligent and serving and loving others and encouraging others to come to Christ, to compel them to come to Christ. Because in and of ourselves, what do we have? We're born in complete rebellion towards God. And over the past couple of weeks, I've been painting this image for us that it's not God who has a stiff arm towards us, keeping us away from Him. No, God's arms are wide open. It's us who has the stiff arm towards God and says, you're not God. I'm going to live how I want. I'm going to do what I want. And all along, God is going, no, 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 no. Look to me, look to me, look to me. Stop going your way. Because he ultimately knows what that is going to cost you. Can you believe that there's going to be people who will end up in hell with Jesus on their lips? Not in their hearts, but on their lips. People think that they have a right relationship with God. People think and they create these images, uh, this, this God that's not even God. And all through the New Testament, we're warned. Don't listen to the false gospel. Don't turn and go your way. Don't make Jesus so common that his blood is nothing. Don't say you belong to him when you don't. Because you're making a mockery of him. I told you, you know what kept me from church? You know what kept me from Christians? When I was young and as I was growing up, because of their weak faith. So when I looked upon them, those who, who claimed Christian to be a Christian, those who went to church, but yet lived like hell the rest of the time, to me, their God was weak. How are you going to claim that your God has conquered sin and death when he hasn't even conquered the sin and death that you are yoking yourself to? And for years, that's how I looked at Christianity. It's a weak religion. It's a man-made religion. And I had my stiffed arm towards God, saying, that you're not God. 
I'll find you elsewhere. <laughs> it wasn't until God showed up and revealed his power to transform a life that wasn't even looking to be transformed. And he does that with all of us if we surrender, if we allow him to be God, if we turn from evil and do what's right, if we seek for peace and work hard to maintain it, not in and of our own strength, but in the total dependence upon God. I've shared with you before, when I was saved, when I accepted Jesus, I knew then and there He was God. And in that, I needed to know who I was. Who am I now? That was my question for many years. Who am I now? How am I to live? I don't know how to do this. In and of myself, I know what I would do. <laughs> I would be right back there. I would be right back there. I would, be, I would allow my struggle to define me. <laughs> I would allow my anger to define me. I would allow the abuse to define me. I would allow everything else to define me. Because everything that has defined me before Christ was who I was. And that's all I knew. But coming to Christ, coming to a Savior, whom the majority of my life I heard hated me, and now coming to a place where he's accepting me. Not accepting me for, to, for me to remain the way I am, but accepting me with all this incredible love. And says, you're mine now. I'm going to work in and through your life. It is in Christ that you have victory. Look to Christ. And the more I got to know him, the more I continue to get to know him, the more I seek him, the more I find him when I seek him with my whole heart. Because God, you all, wants to bring revelation of his truth to our lives. That we will live lives that honor him. We must be careful. Look out. Turn on your television. Step outside. People are believing lies. And not just about God, just about life. Everything's being twisted. What once was evil is now good. <laughs> and what once was good is now evil and is growing at an alarming rate. And we as the church can't sit back and keep remaining ignorant and acting and living ignorantly. No, we must draw close to God and say, God, give us the understanding of how we are to live our lives. And God, when I fail, God, get me up. <laughs> get me up. Lead me to repentance. How can I be a light in the darkness? People are dying left and right. People are overly sensitive and angry and full of rage. People are being abused and neglected. Lives are being torn apart. And yet the crazy thing is, is people blame God. And I've been encouraging us over these past couple of weeks, God is without fault. It is not God's fault of what has been taking place that mankind is doing to themselves. We're destroying each other. We're destroying each other. Because that's all the flesh knows to do. 
is God. And the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So who are we to be yoked to? The flesh? No. Nothing good can come from it. The enemy? No. Because we realize in the end, it's just destruction. Do we yoke ourselves to the world? No. Because the world has nothing that can satisfy us. We will only be satisfied when we finally surrender to Christ. When we see his great love for us. And he bids us to come. Go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. I want to tie this scripture in to Psalms 34, verse 14. So Galatians 2, verses 20 through 21. It's important, again, that we're learning how to live. We don't know how to live apart from Christ, you all. If you're consumed with failure, if you're consumed with, with, with just constant chaos in your life, if you're consumed with just constant strife and, and bickering and fighting, when you're consumed with just your temptations and, and your flesh, when you're consumed, there's only one way out, and that's Jesus. It's not about doing good works. It's not just coming to church. It's just not doing this and doing that and trying to work to be right because you can't. It is only in Christ, and that's the freedom that comes from Christ. I was liberated when I realized I didn't have to carry the burden and trying to be good for God. No, when I realized that my Savior, when Jesus laid his life down for me, and it's through him that I can learn to live differently. That's powerful to know him to live for him when I was in the occult when I was seeking the darkness of life when I was seeking to own to have power to to, to have you know authority to to, to gain understanding of of, 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 of of the earth and all this crazy malarkey It can't even compare to walking in the power of God. It can't. I've seen some crazy things. I've been a part of some crazy things. And it's sad that the occult, the people of the darkness, care more about the spiritual aspect of life, even though they're on the wrong side. And you've got Christians who are so ignorant that they are connected to the greatest power of all, God. And it's a spiritual walk. It's a spiritual life now. Because we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but now he has given us the authority to pray, to intercede, to bind the enemy in Jesus' name, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to set the captives free. To walk in such authority and power. To believe in the God who spoke and things were created. Why would I want to serve a lesser God? Because he meets a temporal need for me. And that's what the enemy does. He comes to entice us. I'll give you this. 
but it's going to cost you mm. that. Amen. Careful of whom you're listening to. Lies, deception, manipulation, controlling. Careful of whom you're listening to. Remember, it's the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And you are not to be yoked to his ways. You're not to be yoked to his ways. You're to learn a new way. A new way of life. God, how am I to live? How am I to live now, God? Because I don't know. I trust you, though, God. And so if you look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 and 21... I want to encourage you this week to focus on Psalm 34, verse 14, then go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 and 21, and meditate and encourage each other. How are we to live now? This is such freedom being expressed through Scripture to us. My old self has been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Mm. How are we to cons- be, consider ourselves now? Dead to sin and alive to Christ, you Amen. all. That our old self is crucified with Christ. So when the ugly old Rob wants to rise up, I've got to remind him, you're a dead man. I'm not going to be moved by you because I know where you'll lead me. Do y'all talk to yourselves that way? Because you're just sitting here and you're calling yourself Christians, y'all to. Because don't think the old self is just going to lay dormant. The Bible's very clear. The flesh and the spirit, they're warring inside you. But as I've encouraged you, what you feed breeds, what you starve dies. Get over yourself. Stop going your way. Start learning to say, oh, no, I recognize you. You're the old Rob. I know what you're going to do. I know what you want. But greater is he that is in me. Because I crucified you with Christ. I no longer belong to you. I belong to Christ. God, I don't want to treat your grace as nothing, as meaningless. No, God, I know that you are all powerful. And so, God, I will submit myself to you. Even in the midst of this struggle or this torment or this pain, I'm going to submit myself to you and I'm going to give it to you because I know that you work out all things for the good who love you and are called according to your purpose. Or I could go my way, but I'm going to make a mess of things. And not only things, I'm going to make a mess of other people's lives. But God, I don't want to stand before you when my breath is gone out of my body and have blood on my hands because I didn't honor you. That I chose to go my way. 
And God, I don't want to just, I got to do right, I got to do right. I don't want to live underneath that burden because if that's what it takes, then Jesus should, would have never have died. See, as a Christian, you're not burdened by the law. You're not burdened by do this, do that, do this, and do that. But you're freed <laughs> to say, I no longer do this, and I no longer do that. Because I'm living for my Savior. That's the difference. Mm. Yes, your life transforms. You cannot be the same as you were. There's a transformation that takes place because as we're opening up Scripture and as we're walking through the Bible, I'm praying that God, that we are getting a greater understanding of who God is. That we're seeing Him through Scripture. That we're getting a clear revelation of how great He is. Like He is calling the people to Himself. To Himself. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to protect you. And in return, all he asks is for his people to call him their God. You are our God. We will follow you. Not the people who have a stiff arm towards God and say, no, 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 you're not God. I'm going to do me. I'm going to do what I want and, and chase after the things of this dying world to try to fulfill me. No, 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 that's not how you live. As the people of God, you are to be humble because he is your God. And as we opened up last week in the book of Exodus, he's creating this place of worship from the beginning. We've seen this. Adam and Eve, they were in the garden. And the Bible says that they walked with God. This picture of intimacy, this picture of worship, and what happened as soon as they sinned? They saw they, were naked. they saw they were naked and they hid. They hid from God. And that's what sin does. And we keep seeing this through Scripture. When the flesh comes in, when the enemy comes in, what's the first thing that you do? You run from God. Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Oh, God. And, and we run from God. And then we hold up an arm against Him. And then we blame Him. <laughs> But he is without fault. He chases us. No, no, don't run from me. Run to me. And that's why he called Adam and Eve out. Come out. Why are you hiding? And remember, it's the same with the Israelites, as we read a few weeks ago. They heard God's voice, and they were like, No, Moses, no, Moses. You speak to God. Because if we hear him, if we, if we follow him, we're going to die. Who told you that lie? Think about it, you all. What's keeping you from God? What's keeping you from pressing in to the fullness of who God is? What thoughts? What desires? What hurts? What, what pain? What's going on in your life that keeps you from walking in the fullness of faith? in your God because God wants to deal with it in your life he desires you to be healed he desires you to be whole he desires you to live out of that 
That's why I'm always encouraged. Why are you living out of a place of brokenness? Learn to walk in wholeness. You have to see yourself. As I, as, as I open, allow this to be your mirror. Allow him to lead you and guide you on the, along the right path. And trust in him. You say, oh, but it's hard. Of course it is. Because Jesus himself told us it's going to be hard. Why is it hard for us? Because this world is not our home. This world will never embrace Christ as Lord. Never will. The people of the earth will not embrace Christ as Lord. Do you know in Revelation, God is doing, if you've never read the book, read it. God is doing everything to reveal himself to mankind. There are some who get it, and they repent, and they turn to God. And then there's others, even as there's angels flying back and forth, as all these signs and, and things are taking place, and people will still say, you're not God. Wow. So don't think that your Christian faith and the God in whom you serve the world is going to embrace you. And no, no, no. In fact, it's going to get even harder as the days and the age approaches to his return. It's even going to get harder. And the Bible says those who endure, those who keep going, will be saved. We can't give up. We can't be a people who are faint-hearted. We can't be a people because life gets hard. We blame God and we turn from God and we go back to our old habits, our old pattern of language, thoughts, actions. That's not a Christian life. And even churches, if you listen to sermons that are being preached that are popular, they're stripping Christ of who he is and they're giving you the right to live however you want. They're preaching sermons that are good to hear to the ears and go, oh, that makes me feel good. That is not the gospel. The gospel, when preached, brings sinners to repentance. And when the gospel is preached, save people, celebrate. <laughs> because we're reminded of all that was done for us. Through Jesus. Through Jesus, you all. And so we open up today in Exodus chapter 26. And we're going to read through 27 today. God is creating this tabernacle. He longs for fellowship with his people. We have to get this, you all. Again, he's not a God that stays distant from us. No, he's a God who wants to dwell with us. He's creating this place for the Israelites. And the Israelites were chosen to bring forth the Messiah. We have to remember this. The Old Testament, as you're reading through and you're studying through the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. You'll see Jesus all throughout the Old Testament. That's why it's vital. And I know reading through the Old Testament can be at times oh, hard, laborious, boring. Like, oh God, 
But oh, I pray it does, doesn't remain that way for us. I pray that we will be excited to know our God. Do you all hear this? God longs to have fellowship with you. He longs for you to, to, to be in relationship with him. He's establishing this place, this, this place of tabernacle where he can commune with his people. Now in the old days, in this day, only the priests were allowed in. The people can only come just as far. But it was the priest who would go in before God. But here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. When Jesus took his last breath, this temple where these curtains were drawn up to keep the presence of God in was ripped. It's an actual event, you all. And it wasn't ripped from the bottom up. It was ripped from the top down. And you say, well, what does that have to do with me? It means everything. Because now, because of Christ, he doesn't dwell in a tabernacle. He doesn't dwell apart from, from his creation. No, he now is ushered in. All are welcomed. Because of Christ, through Christ, all are welcomed to come into the fullness of the presence of God. This is what we have access to. The full presence of of God because Jesus our high priest paid paid the penalty for our sin and because of what he has accomplished we can come in we don't have to stand at a distance no you can come to God he longs to commune with you but it's only through Jesus that's why Jesus is I'm the only way <laughs> Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not any other way that man can manufacture. No, 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 no. It's not, it's not going to get you to God. Only through me. Only through me. It's through Christ. It's in Christ that we have access. Romans 5.1, now therefore you're at peace with God through Jesus Christ. And so we come, and you should be excited to come. Of all that he has accomplished. For what he's establishing here, back in this day that we're going to read about. And what he accomplished through Jesus. That we may gain entrance and access to God. Chapter 26. Plans for the tabernacle. This is God speaking. And I want you to hear how specific he is. The design of this place of dwelling. Make the tabernacle from ten curtains of finely woven linen. Decorate the curtains with blue, purple, scarlet thread and with skillfully embroidered cherubim. These ten curtains must all be exactly the same size. 42 feet long and 6 feet wide. Join five of these curtains together to make one long curtain then join the other five into a second long curtain. Put loops of blue yarn along the edge of the last curtain in each set. The 50 loops along the edge of one curtain are to match the 50 loops along the edge of the other curtain. Then make 50 gold clasps and fasten the long curtains together with the clasps. 
In this way, the tabernacle will be made of one continual piece. Make 11 curtains of goat hair cloth to serve as the tent covering for the tabernacle. These 11 curtains must be all be exactly the same size, 45 feet long and 6 feet wide. Join five of these curtains together to make one long curtain and join the other six into a second long curtain. Allow three feet of material from the second set of curtains to hang over the front of the sacred tent. Make 50 loops for one edge of each large curtain. Then make 50 bronze clasps and fasten the loops of the long curtains with the clasp. In this way, the tent covering will be made of one continual piece. The remaining three feet of this tent covering will be left to hang over the back of the tabernacle. Allow 18 inches of the remaining material to hang down over each side so the tabernacle is completely covered. Complete the tent covering with a protective layer of tanned ram skins and a layer of fine goat skin leather. For the framework work of the tabernacle, construct frames of a casquilla, a, huh, a casella wood. Each frame must be 15 feet high and 27 inches wide. With two pegs under each frame, make all the frames identical. Make 20 of these frames to support the curtains on the south side of the tabernacle. Also make 40 silver bases, two bases under each frame, with the pegs fitting securely into the bases. For the north side of the tabernacle, make another 20 frames, with their 40 silver bases, two bases under each frame. Make six frames for the rear, the west side of the tabernacle along with the two additional frames to reinforce the rear corners of the tabernacle. These corner frames will be matched at the bottom and firmly attached at the top with a single ring, forming a single corner unit. Make both of these corner units the same way, so there will be eight frames at the rear of the tabernacle set in 16 silver bases, two bases under each frame. Make crossbars of cassia wood to link the frames, five crossbars for the north side of the tabernacle and five for the south side. Also make five crossbars for the rear of the tabernacle, which will face west. The middle crossbar attached halfway up the frames will run all the way from one end of the tabernacle to the other. Overlay the frames with gold and make gold rings to hold the crossbars. Overlay the crossbars with gold as well. Set up this tabernacle according to the pattern you were shown on the mountain. For the inside of the tabernacle, make a special curtain of finely woven linen. Decorate it with blue, purple, and scarlet thread and with skill skillfully embroidered cherubim. Hang this curtain on gold hooks attached to four posts of cassia wood. Overlay the posts with gold and set them in four silver bases. Hang the inner curtain from class and put the Ark of the Covenant in the room behind it. This curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. Then put the Ark's cover, the place of atonement, on the top of the Ark and of the Covenant inside the most holy place. Place the table outside the inner curtain on the north side of the tabernacle and place the lampstand across the room on the south side. Make another curtain for the entrance to the sacred tent. 
make it a finely woven linen and embroider it with exquisite designs using purple, I'm sorry, blue, purple, and scarlet thread. Craft five posts of a casilla wood, overlay them with gold, and hang the curtains from them with gold hooks. Cast five bronze bases for the posts. This is what God is creating, y'all. This is these are the instructions that Moses received from God. Everything laid out, he spoke. And he keeps telling them, do as you have heard. Do as you have heard. This is a place in which God is going to dwell among his people. The priest would go in and then they will come out. And they will minister to God's people. From the beginning, God has desired to be among his people, you all. Is he among you this day? He ought to be. In your homes, in your places of employment, in your jobs, in your schools, in your car, wherever you go, he's there. You can't run from God. But are you acknowledging that he's there? Is he in your heart? Are you more concerned about your social media statuses? Are you more concerned of being popular or just being accepted? Are you more concerned about everything else in life? Because if you are, how sad. When God himself is desiring you to have fellowship with him. Oh, but I don't see God. I don't know God. Where is he? Where is he? We hold up our arm against him because we long to be in the arms of another. We long to be accepted, so we spread ourselves to give ourselves to anyone and everyone. We long to have some type of identity so we get caught up in whatever we feel we are. <laughs> and we just live our lives lost. And how sad. When God is desiring that we know him and that in return we will know ourselves. Because of him. God you are. God, you all. Lives are being transformed. Lives are being transformed by the power of God. And the greatest testimony is one of someone who is standing up, declaring that, and then living it. No matter their circumstances. I told you about the young man, yet last week, who used to be a gangbanger. Drug addict, abusive to his wife, running the streets, but God stepped in. And he believed upon Jesus, and his life has changed. There are testimonies after testimonies after testimonies throughout the earth of people whose lives are changed. Are you among those whose testimony is valid? And it's valid because there's a transformation. Not just because you say, oh Jesus. <laughs> Is your testimony valid? 
And if not, then what is not dry are you not on your knees crying out to God in repentance? Are you easily entertained by sin? Things that are contrary to God's truth. Do you find it hard to pay attention in church because you're over everything else on your mind, on your phones, in your, in your heart? Are you all over? God is desiring to have you pay attention to Him. We gotta wake up. And so when we read chapter 26, you say, oh, that's boring. It ought not to be boring. It should give you insight on how creative your God is, how detailed He is, and how He longs to be among you. He goes on in chapter 27. Plans for the altar now, these burnt offerings. See, back in the old days, they had to slaughter animals to make payment for their sins. Praise be to God, we don't have to anymore. Because Jesus, because of Jesus, he came and his body was ripped apart so that you could live. He was the final payment so that we could have a relationship with the living God. Jesus paid it all. But back in the days, they had to have these altars. They had to bring their sin offering to God. And now God has given them detail on how it is to be planned out. Using a cassia wood, construct a square altar, seven feet wide and seven and a half feet long and four and a half feet high. Make horns for each of its four corners so that the horns and the altar are all one piece. Overlay the altar with bronze. Make ash buckets, shovels, basins, meat forks, and fire pans all of bronze. Make a bronze grating for it and attach four bronze rings as its four corners. Install the grating halfway down the side of the altar under the ledge. For carrying the altar, make poles from a cassia wood and overlay them with bronze. Insert the poles through the rings on the two sides of the altar. The altar must be hollow, made from planks. Build it just as you were shown on the mountain. Plans for the courtyard. Then make the courtyard of the tabernacle enclosed with curtains made of finely woven linen. And on the south side, make the curtains 150 feet long. They will be held up by 20 poles set securely in 20 bronze bases. Hang the curtain with silver hooks and rings. Make the curtains the same on the north side. 150 feet of curtain held up by 20 poles set securely in bronze bases. Hang the curtains with silver hooks and rings. The curtains on the west end of the courtyard will be 75 feet long, supported by 10 posts set into 10 bases. The east end of the courtyard, the front, will also be 75 feet long. The courtyard entrance will be on the east end, flanked by two curtains. The curtain on the right side will be 22 and a half feet long, supported by three posts set into three bases. 
The curtain on the left side will also be 22 and a half feet long, supported by three posts set into three bases. For the entrance of the courtyard, make a curtain that is 30 feet long. Make it from filing woven linen and decorate it with beautiful embroidery and blue, purple, and scarlet thread. Support it with four posts, each securely set in its own base. All the posts around the courtyard must have silver rings and hooks and bronze bases. So the entire courtyard will be 150 feet long, 75 feet wide, with curtain walls seven and a half feet high, made from finely woven linen. The bases for the posts will be made of bronze. All of the articles used in the rituals of the tabernacle, including all the tent pegs used to support the tabernacle and the courtyard, contains must be made of bronze. And then the light for the tabernacle. Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to keep the lamps burning continually. The lampstand will stand in the tabernacle in front of the inner curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant. Aaron and his sons must keep the lamps burning in the Lord's presence all night. That is a permanent law for the people of Israel, and it must be observed from generation to generation. It's important. Did you hear that last line? If you didn't hear anything else, hear that last line. From generation to generation, God cares for the upcoming generation. He wants us to make him known. As it was back here in the days of Israel, so it is with our day. And the parents, grandparents, how are we doing? Making God known to the generations that are coming up. The enemy wants nothing but to steal and to kill and to destroy. He wants to keep us in chaos. He wants to keep us delusional. But God wants us to be a part of what he has established. His great love for us. His desire that we will live and not die. And how are we raising up a generation? When's the last time you prayed for the younger generation? When's the last time you ministered to the younger generation? When's the last time you offered them hope? Or do they just see your chaos in your life? Do they see no God in your life? And you're just handing them over to death. It ought not be so. Christians, we are to care about the youth and the upcoming generation. We are to care about life and sustaining life. We are to care about marriages. We are to care about families. We are to care because Christ cares. God cares. And each of us sitting in this room, the majority of us have come from broken homes and broken lives. <laughs> but we don't have to remain broken, you all. That God, you all, longs to heal us. I've shared with you before, stop rehearsing your sad story over and over and over and over. And start rehearsing his story. <laughs> Remind yourself of how great he is 
how much he loves you. Well, you don't know about my daddy. You don't know about my mama. You don't know about this. You don't know about what took place to me. We all have sad stories. But if that's what you live by, if that's what defines you, then yes, live that way. But know this. In the end, you've got nothing except what you've wanted. Your sad story for eternity. For eternity. Take that to bed with you tonight. Rest on that. I pray you don't. I pray that we wake up and we say, wait a minute, God, why am I settling again? <laughs> because my mama did this, and my daddy did that, and this person did this, and that over here, and I don't have this, and my friends don't like me, and my this, and my that. And we have all these excuses. But I pray we go, why am I settling for that? When I can have this. When I can have life. I was listening to this pastor. He's overseas and he's ministering to, to the, the refugees and the need that's taking place over there. And these infant babies are dying by the thousands. By the thousands. And as they're laying in these makeshift hospital little cribs, the mothers are laying underneath their cribs. And the sound of their tears crying out for the lives of their children. No one's offering them any hope except these missionaries who are going in there. And we think we have problems. And we think our little issues should control us. Come on, you all. Be the hope of people. Get out there. Share Christ. Extend hope. Extend love. Serve people. Stop talking bad about people. Start yoking you. Stop yoking yourself with people who have nothing but negativity in their lives. Get away from that. Tell them no more. I don't want to live that way. You can live burdened, but it's your choice. I keep telling us that. If your life is chaotic, it's you. It's you. You're choosing it every single day, every single moment. You're choosing to remain chaotic. You're choosing filth. You're choosing anger. You're choosing perversion. You're choosing greed. You're choosing your insecurities. You're choosing. <laughs> Could you imagine if you just chose the right way for once? And say, God, your way, not mine. Your way, not mine. Your way, not mine. And little by little, light begins to embrace you. And your path is illuminated. And nothing that this world will offer you can compare to that. I come from the darkest and the darkest of darkest of places, you all. I remember what it was like and the filth that I did and the chaos that I lived and the hurt that I caused to others and to myself. And I used to blame everyone and anyone. 
And all along, it was me. And all along, it's you. Wake up. We don't have the time to keep playing games. The hour is urgent. God cares for the generations that are coming up. And do you understand what God cares about? The enemy is attacking. Do you understand that? He's ripping apart families. The abuse that is taking place and the speech that is being spoken to each other is on a crazy, rampant pace of destruction. And yet our words are to be seasoned with salt. Because we say we're Christians. So our homes and our lives are to be different. And we don't wait for our circumstances to change. No, you do it now. You do it now. Well, I don't know. Learn. Stop having your excuses. I had to stop having my excuses. Like when you face reality. I never forget the day I got out of the shower and I was walking to the mirror and I stopped and I looked at this man and I hit my knees because I said, who on earth are you? I didn't even know who was standing in front of me. And yet I was a man who was consumed with his looks and I was always in the mirror for the majority of my life. And yet I didn't even know myself. Do you know yourself? Do you know yourself? We must wake up. The hour is urgent. The days are growing darker. But we have the good news, you all. We have the good news. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be taken down. No, we get up each day dressing in the armor of God. Walking out with the assurance that God is for me, not against me. It doesn't matter if a thousand fall at my side. God has my back. It doesn't matter if everything is taken away from me. I am in Christ. And that's my identity. I will not find satisfaction anywhere else. But in Christ. And has it been easy? No, because I told you all many a times, there's been many a times I wanted to run. There's been many a times I wanted to give up. There's been many a times I wanted to say, you're not God. <laughs> but each and every single time he steps in with such love and compassion and goes, remember me, Rob. And so he says it to you today. Remember me. Why are you running from me? Choose life, not death. Go to Matthew chapter 25. Jesus is still talking about his return. He's giving them an understanding about the day that he returns to gather those who belong to him. And as Jesus always taught, he taught in parables, which are stories. He taught with stories. And so we're going to hear two stories today. Matthew chapter 25, we're going to read verses 1 through 30. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids, who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. 
Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were aroused by the shout, Look! The bridegroom is coming! Come out and meet him! All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. The five foolish ones asked the others, Oh, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy, buy some for yourselves. And while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, the other five bridesmaids returned. They stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. This is Jesus, you all. And I know the popular message is to make Jesus this weird hippie who's just passing out hugs and muffins to everyone. Listen, Jesus is filled with compassion and love. And he longs that all would be with him. But his kingdom is of, of, of a great importance. He talks about it. He talks about it. We ought to listen. We ought to listen to what he's saying. Do you understand the story that he's telling? There were these ten people. These bridemaids waiting for the groom. And they had the little lamps. Keeping the fire lit. Oh, let's get extra oil. Let's be productive. And then you have some lazy ones. Who were foolish. And did you notice their response to the ones who were productive? Do for me. <laughs> Give me some of your stuff. Oh, that's the generation of today. We want, we want, we want, we want without doing. Without doing. We demand. Give to me from those who are productive. Oh, God, let that not be us. You ought to be hard workers. You ought to be faithful with what God's entrusted to you, even if it's a little because you can't be faithful with much if you can't be faithful with little. You are to honor him. You are to care enough about you and your family to be prepared. To keep the lantern lit. Waiting on his return. Waiting on his return. These five foolish ones, they were just among the others. They show up for church. <laughs> but they're not of the church. Oh, they show up. <laughs> but they don't belong. And they don't know they don't belong until the day when Jesus shows up and goes, I don't know you. That's how serious this is, you all. 
And it's not because he did anything wrong. No, it's because they were foolish. They didn't prepare their hearts. They didn't seek him. They weren't longing for his return. No, they were about the world. Ha, 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 Laughing along with the world. Going along with the world. Giving themselves just like everyone in the world. And now all of a sudden, they want to belong. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. And these are Jesus' words. I don't care what you hear from any other pastor who wants to preach a weird message to you. Not everyone is going in. In fact, Jesus tells us it's only a few people who go on the path of life. It's a very narrow road. Most people don't even like to hear this. Most people shut off and they're all zoned out everywhere else now. Because they're on the path of destruction. Because it's wide for all. Even if you have a hymn on your lips. Even if you have a Bible in your hand, you can still be on the path of destruction because Christ is not in your heart. So wake up. Let us not be the five foolish bridesmaids. No, let us be those who are prepared. Let us be those who are cultivating a relationship with Christ, feigning the flame within our hearts, keeping away from the foolish things of this world, and looking for his return. He goes on to tell another story. The three servants. Again, the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom, Jesus is talking about it, can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Dividing it into proportion to their abilities, he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the maker's master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of all they had used his money and how they used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibility. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibility. Let's celebrate together. Oh, and then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. 
But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it's twice we've seen the Lord deal harshly with the wicked. There is going to be a divide, you all. You're either with him or you're against him. It's your choice. It's not his choice. He's done all he's going to do to reveal himself to you day in and day out. Day in and day out. God is revealing himself. It's you who's choosing to say, you're not God. Oh, let it not be so of us. Let us be the productive servants. Let us put to use what God has given us. What God has given us. When I married Gilda, even before marrying Gilda, she knew everything we have is God's. And we would use it for his glory. Everything. Our home, our car, our lives, our money. Everything that we have. Is it easy? No. But daily... I pray for the strength of God. I pray for the strength of God. Because trust me, I would rather be lounging up than to be doing right now what I'm doing in and of my flesh. In and of my flesh, I could care less. Live your lives however you want. Aha! Thank God I'm not that man. Because of Christ, He fills us with compassion. People find it strange that in our marriage, we've never had time alone. We've always taken people in. We think of others before we think of ourselves. And that's not to pat us on our back, because in and of ourselves, in our flesh, we wouldn't do this. <laughs> but because of Christ, how else are we to live? How else are you to live? Are you putting others before yourself? You ought to. In school, at work, in your home. You put others before yourself. You take what God has given you, the gifts that what he has given you, the items that he's entrusted you with, and did you understand the story? He knew what they were able to do. He knew. Like putting this on this person will be too much, so give them just this much, because they'll be able to handle it. We're all called to serve differently. The Holy Spirit distributes gifts to each of us. And so we should be utilizing them as a church, as a collective body. We should be coming together to utilize our gifts to impact the lives of others. So that when he returns, we hear, well done, my good and faithful servants. You were faithful with what I gave you. And we keep our eyes on the king, not what he gave. Well, this is just a little. No, no, no. We're faithful. 
were faithful. And that was a lesson I had to learn years ago because I kept grumbling and complaining because I didn't have enough. I didn't have enough. And it was hard. Times were rough. God said, oh, you want to grumble and complain? Grumble and complain. It'll take you even longer. Huh. No, you trust God. God, whatever you give me. Whatever you give me. I'm going to be faithful. Don't end up like that last servant. Do you hear his attitude? Oh, I knew you were a harsh master. <laughs> so I hid your money. And what did the master say? Foolishness. Foolishness. Don't be someone who lives an unproductive life. Get over yourselves. Start serving. As Christians, do you realize what the Bible says? You're to think of others better than yourself. Let that be something that challenges you this week. Do you, are you still demanding your rights? Oh, they better do for me. They better get out of my way. They better let me this and that and this and that. Oh, no, 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 no. Because you're already content in Christ. See, you're turning from evil and you're doing good. You're, you're, you're seeking for peace and you're working hard to maintain it. Sure, you go ahead of me. And I genuinely mean it. Sure, let me get this for you. Let me encourage you. Even though my day is out of control, oh, I see that you're hurting. So let me encourage you. See, you just get over yourself. Because the work of the enemy and the work of the flesh and the things of this world want you to be a dog chasing its own tail. Have y'all seen a dog chase its tail? It's quite a sight. That's you and me. When we take our eyes off Christ, we're chasing our own selves. And that, have you seen when they're intently chasing it? And then they stop. And give them just a few seconds. They're back up and they're chasing it again. Not realizing all along you're chasing yourself. Oh, we must wake up. We must wake up. Jesus is saying, my kingdom, I am returning. And this is how those who belong to me live. Live this way. See, in the end, you'll know if you belong to Jesus. Oh, there's no second guessing. You know if you're a child of God and if you're not. You don't need anyone else to tell you, no matter how good you may pretend or how bad you may not. Like you know in the depths of your heart if you belong to God. Look at, the, oh, look at your life. Is it honoring him? Are you, are you a good steward of all that he's entrusted you with? Are you trusting in him and not in yourself to do right? Are you living in freedom and in peace? Are you experiencing the fullness even in the midst of pain? Because again, your Christian life is not about your circumstances being perfect. But it's about your heart being right with God. Go to Psalm 31. And as I've been encouraging you all, 
the book of Psalms. It's a beautiful illustration. Last week, I compared this young man I was telling you about and his raps. He's a Christian rapper, and he's so transparent. And I said, kind of, that's kind of like the book of Psalms. There's songs that are so transparent that these were what the, these men were going through. And we get an understanding of how we can relate to our God because, again, it all comes down to Him being in relationship with His people and His people being in relationship with their God. That's why worship shouldn't be boring. Your lifestyle is an act of worship. Not just coming together when song is being played, but when music music is being played, you ought to enter in. Like, God, I think I'm in your presence. I, I'm longing for more of you, God. When the word of God is being opened, you should be intently listening and learning. God, reveal truth to me. When you're among the fellowship, we should be encouraging and edifying and building each other up. Encouraging us to keep going forward. Keep pressing into Jesus. Your lifestyle is worship. So that when things come a-knocking, when things come pressing up against you, when your mind seems to be depressed and overwhelmed and anxious, you look up, oh, and you can breathe. I used to deal with panic attacks, extreme anxiety, perversion, you name it, darkness. In my first beginning days and years of a Christian, I had demons attacking me. They locked me in a corner of a room. All I can do for days was to lay balled up like a baby. Didn't speak, didn't eat. No one knew what to do with me. But all I had on my lips, Jesus. That's all I could say. Jesus. Jesus. No matter how they were tearing at my body or how they were wreaking havoc with my mind, all I knew to say was Jesus. 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 Listen, you all. This isn't a game. This isn't just a good little book. Like, this is reality. This is real. I can't make it plain to you. Only Christ, the Holy Spirit, reveals truth to us. I'm an uneducated man. I'm a, I dropped out of school. How can I have understanding of this? Even to preach it or to encourage you with it. Not in and of myself, but because of Him. Listen, it doesn't matter where you came from or what you've done. When Jesus is revealed to you, how could you turn from him? Like, oh God. And these men who wrote these psalms, they were going through hard time. In fact, King David, a man after God's own heart, a man who sinned greatly, a man who went through his own trials. 
All he knew was God. Who do you turn to when life gets rough? God. And that shouldn't be just when life is rough. That should be every day you all. Every day to have a relationship with your God. He loves you. No matter what's going on in your heart and in your mind, no matter how broken you are inside, he says, come. But God, I was told you hated me. Rob, I love you. Come up from that darkness and be freed. Come up to a place of healing and wholeness. Come up from a place where your mind is not running rampant with thoughts and anxiety and panic. Come up from a place of addiction, of drugs and alcohol and sex. Come up from that place. Because I've got a better way for your life. And as he says it, said it for me, he says it for everyone. Come up and live. Psalm 31, verses 1 through 8. David wrote this psalm. O Lord, I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me, for you do what is right. Turn your ear to listen to me. Rescue me quickly. Be my rock of protection, a fortress where I will be safe. You are my rock and my fortress. For the honor of your name, lead me out of this danger. Pull me from the trap of my enemies that have set before me. For I find protection in you alone. I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. I hate those who worship worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love for you have seen my troubles and you care about the anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to my enemies but have set me in a safe place. Did you hear that? Such encouragement in the midst of pain and the unknown. If you keep God before you all, you won't get caught up in the craziness. Trust me. If you keep God your focus and your center, and then you bring your family along and look to God. You can't force people. You can't force people. You could just point people. No, I'm focusing on God. No, but Rob, come this way. No, I'm focusing on God. No, Rob, come this way. No, I'm focusing on God. Even in my failures, I'm focusing on God to get me up. Go to Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1 through 11 is where we're closing. Last couple of Sundays, we talked about the immoral woman, the loose woman, the woman who barely dressed to cover herself, and she was out seducing men. In fact, she was a married woman. Remember, she told the boy, come, 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 lay with me, 
I've prepared my bed for you. Come, my husband is going to be away for a long time. He took a lot of money with him. He's going to be away. You come and sleep with me. And all along, that young boy and that young man was being encouraged. Don't go the way of the immoral woman. Don't go the way of perversion. Oh, it's the same for young girls. When the young boys come a-knocking at your heart, oh, I love you. Oh, I care for you. They don't even love themselves. They don't even care for themselves. And you're going to spread your legs for them? Foolishness. Foolishness. Perversion gives you nothing but destruction. We're yoking ourselves together with broken, insecure people who can't offer anything to our lives. <laughs> Lest we can't even offer them anything. Do you see the craziness that's going on in today's world. And it's been going on and going on. And we've been warned time and time and time again, don't go that way. Pornography is running amok. Kids are watching porn. Oh, they're just kids. They're going to do it. That's foolishness. No, they ought not to do it. How is it that the wicked has become the norm? And I told you all this before. I was challenged by that months and months ago, maybe a few years ago. Because I would be like, oh, God, you know, well, it's just kind of the norm. Look what they have to go through every day, blah, blah, blah. And I just make excuses. And then all of a sudden, I started meeting these young kids who love Jesus. And you've never did this? And, and you don't think this way? And, and you're not cool to... And they're like, no, because I love Jesus. And I'm like, well, you're odd. And I remember saying that. And the Lord corrected me. Why is that odd to you? That's how it should be. Do you see how we make the craziness the norm? Well, that's just normal. Ah, it's just normal. Ah, we just laugh about it. And all along, the souls of our youth are dying. Because we're giving them the right to act and live however they want. Oh, they're just going to be kids. Huh, that's what boys do. That's what girls do. No. Don't go the way of the immoral woman. Don't go the way of perversion. Don't go the way that is going to lead to destruction. And so today we open up with wisdom. Two different women. The immoral woman and wisdom. <clears throat> Proverbs 8. We're only reading 1 through 11. Listen as wisdom calls out. Hear, and underst hear as understanding raises her voice. On the hilltop along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroads. By the gates at the entrance of the town. On the road leading in, she cries aloud. I call to you, to all of you. I raise my voice to all people. You simple people, use good judgment. 
You foolish people, show some understanding. Listen to me, for I have important things to tell you. Everything I say is right, for I speak the truth and detest every kind of deception. My advice is wholesome. There is nothing devious or crooked in it. My words are plain to anyone with understanding, clear to those with knowledge. Choose my instruction rather than silver and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. Oh, do you see the difference of the two women? The immoral woman went right up to the boy. Ha ha Come this way. I prepared my bed for you. It's going to feel good. My husband, he's gone. We can lay for a while. And we were told that that path leads to destruction. But wisdom and all of her beauty and her wholesomeness and her purity, she stands on the corners. She places herself at entrance ways. She cries out, come my way. It's the way of truth. It's the way of life. Come my way. It's the way of truth. It's the way of life. She's not trying to seduce you. She's not trying to appease you or, or play with your insecurities or stroke you to, to make you feel good about yourself. Careful of people who do that. Because as soon as they stroke you and tell you how good you are, soon they devour you. As soon as they will devour you. Careful on the ways in which you go and who you're listening to. Oh, we ought to hear wisdom this day, you all. Beautiful. I said, God, I come to know you. You revealed yourself to me. God, I long to be wise. I want to be pure. I don't want to keep going the way of the immoral women, the perversion, the filth of this world. Like when I came to Christ, that was my heart cry. It didn't happen overnight. Day in and day out. I still pray that way each morning. God, this is a new day that you've set before me. I want to go your way. I want to hear wisdom. I don't want to turn a deaf ear to truth. I want to know knowledge. God, I want to honor you. And again, it's not about being perfect, you all. None of us are going to be perfect until we're with him. But that does not give us the license to continue to do what we want. When we see the areas of our lives that we need to grow in, we're just honest with God. God, I need to grow in this area. My mouth is horrible. God, I need to grow in the area because these thoughts are raging war against my mind. God, I'm, I'm being consumed with greed. Help me to learn to be satisfied in you. Like to trust him, you all, to know him. This is my hope for us. That we will grow, that we will mature, and that we will long for his return. I'm going to close this with this last song. 
and then I'll close this in prayer.